Lord, we thank you because you have made our souls rejoice. God, we thank you that even in the midst of difficulty, even in the midst of hard circumstances, yet still you're with us. And I pray that you would bless us, Lord. Help us as we discover more from your truth today. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm glad that you guys are here. I'm happy to uh, spend some time with you. I, I love worshiping with you. And um, uh, I love doing that here in my house, too. I, I wish I could do it more with you guys, though. So, But hopefully soon. Remember, if you uh, hear about home groups starting up, please, please, please engage in those things. We need to be around each other and with one another uh, even more than, than on virtual. You know, I was... Um, I was thinking before this thing all happened uh, some months ago, I was thinking about how uh, there's a lot of people who don't come to church on a, on a regular basis. You know, they have a relationship with God. They have uh, that uh, closeness with God. I, I don't at all doubt their faith. Um, but for some reason or another, getting to church is difficult. Uh, you know, they've decided that that's it's 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 just something that they don't want to engage in or it's something that they engage in only only uh, sporadically, you know, you'll see them once a month or once every three months or so. Um, and I was thinking, how, what is it that about church that we could, you know, what can we do to get more people to come to church? What it, and I really started thinking, what's the point of church? What's the point of gathering together? And I think that this whole thing, uh, being quarantined, being separated from one another, I think what this has taught me more than anything else has taught me so many things, but one of the things it's taught me is the importance of just being with one another, the importance of being near people, being, you know, touching people and speaking to them and seeing them. Uh, I've had a few times when I've been able to go out and talk with people, delivering food or uh, doing projects or whatnot. And you can tell people are hungry for that conversation. They're hungry for the eye contact. They're hungry just to be in the presence of another person. And so I'm really looking forward to the time when we can come back together. And I think we don't need to invent anything. The point of church is to gather together, to be in the presence of one another uh, and to enjoy one another. You agree, don't you? Yes. She's my helper this morning. You can tell she's very, you help a lot, huh? You a good helper for daddy? Oh, embarrassed. <laughs> well, this morning, uh, I have a message I want to give to you. I want to share with you a sermon uh, today. I was praying this week um, for what I should be preaching on and I actually started writing two different sermons because I couldn't quite nail down what it was that the Lord was saying. So I just started writing um, and got maybe a quarter of the way through two different sermons. And then uh, the last few days just felt like, no, it still isn't it. And so I went back to the drawing board, went back to prayer and sought God and said, Lord, what is it that you have for this today? What is it that you have for us today? And the word that I got that came back to my mind as I went back to the Lord was the word scatter. The word scatter. Can you say scatter? No, still embarrassed. <laughs> She'll help me maybe in a little bit. The word was scatter. And that was the basis for this sermon. That That's, that's what I'm going to be talking about today. You know, scatter, that idea of being scattered was a theme this year for our district conference uh, for the Foursquare Church. We have a district that stretches over all of Oregon, Alaska, and a part of Washington. 
And we all got together this last October, and the theme for this year was scattered. And I don't think that Gabe Rera, our district supervisor, or the team, I don't think that they knew that uh, we would be in a situation we are today uh, during the coronavirus. Maybe they did know. Ooh, there's a conspiracy theory for you. Um, but I don't think that they knew. I think it was prophetic that God knew we would be scattered at this time. Uh, it's a prophetic word. We're in a scattered season of life. You know, I was reading in Genesis 11, and this is where uh, humans got together. We built a city, and then we built, we decided we're going to build a magnificent tower, and it's going to stretch all the way to the heavens. And so we began to build this tower, and God uh, decided to come down and look at the tower, and he wanted to uh, stop the work that was being done. It was a, it was basically an edifice to human uh, humanness, human pride instead of to God. And so it says he came down and uh, he changed their languages, confused their languages. This is what it says. It says that's why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. I imagine it was incredibly confusing and frustrating for those people. You go to sleep one night, you wake up the next morning, and you're speaking a different language than your neighbor. How confusing that is, especially, you know, if you were in the middle of an argument with somebody, you went to bed, you came back, you wanted to finish the argument, and all of a sudden, they're speaking a different language, or you're speaking a different language. Uh, very frustrating, I can imagine. Um, what would it have been like to order coffee, right? You go to the coffee shop, you're going to order coffee, all of a sudden, the language on the menu is completely changed. You can't understand it. You can't read it. How very frustrating that would be. I remember being in Copenhagen and going to a coffee shop there and we were ordering coffee and, you know, we don't know any Danish. And so we were there and went to a coffee shop and I'm just like, I can point at things in the menu. So I took the menu out and I started pointing and then the uh, barista started speaking to me in English. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm so happy that you know English. And he goes, he goes, did you just come from Germany? And I said, no, why would you think I just came from Germany? He said, well, in Germany, they don't speak English because they think everybody there should speak German. But here in Denmark, we speak English. And so I was just wondering if that's why you're so surprised that we speak English. And I was like, no, but I appreciate. I appreciate the fact that you are speaking my language so that I don't have to change to speak yours because Danish is a difficult language. And uh, also, God bless me and God bless Denmark. I have no desire to learn Danish. Um, so good thing that that barista knew English. What's the point? The point is that <laughs> the people were scattered from that place. They wanted to stay established. They wanted to build something for themselves. They wanted to, I know we're going to do it eventually. They wanted to set up a kingdom of their own and God wanted them to scatter. So he confused their languages and he scattered them throughout the whole world. Later, the Israelites uh, establish themselves in the promised land. They occupy the land. They drive out all the other uh, nations that are before them. They're there. And then what does it say? It says that they turned away from God. They Their hearts turned from God. They began to worship other idols. And so in a series of waves of exile that we've been talking about, the Lord scattered them. This is the words of Moses pr predicting that this would happen. He said this, Moses said this in the book of Deuteronomy, the Lord will scatter you among all nations from one end of the earth to the other. And among those nations, you will find no repose. You will find no rest, no resting place for the sole of your foot. There the Lord will give you an anxious mind, eyes weary with longing and a despairing heart. The Israelites were scattered from their homeland and many of them 
never returned. If we look at early church history, uh, historians have created different models. The growth of the church in the early, in the first century is just incredible. It goes from being a small group. We read about 12 disciples. We read about 120 people on the day of Pentecost. And within 300 years, it's gone from these small groups of people to now it's the official religion of the largest empire in the world in 300 years. It's an incredible growth. And historians have looked at this growth pattern of how the gospel spread out from all these different places. Uh, and there's a lot of different models. But you know what the interesting thing is? The interesting thing that they all share is that the growth of Christianity did not take place, did not really kick off until 70 A.D. Until 70 A.D., it didn't take off at all. Why was that? That's almost 40 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. Why was it 40 years? And then after 40 years, you see a, a sharp increase in the, how, in the spread of Christianity throughout the world. The reason is because originally Christianity was centered in Jerusalem. And all the Christians stayed in Jerusalem. But in AD 70, in AD 67, a war began between, between uh, the Jewish nation, between Israel and the Roman Empire. And in AD 70, the Romans came and they put Jerusalem to siege. And eventually they destroyed the city and they burned down the temple. But when the Romans were coming to lay siege to Jerusalem, the Christians got out of the city and they began to scatter throughout the world. And that's why in AD 70, you see a sharp increase in the spread of the gospel throughout the world. They wanted to stay where they were. They wanted to stay established. They wanted to stay near Jerusalem, near the temple. But God had other plans, and he began to scatter them throughout the world. Even in our own day, in our own movement, we're upon a, a part of the Pentecostal movement. And the Pentecostal movement, we could draw a lot of its origins back to one particular church called the Azusa Street Mission in Los Angeles, California. And it was a barn in Los Angeles that was converted into a church. And the church itself never had capacity for over 200 people. Under 200 people could fit into this building at the same time. Why is it that the Pentecostal movement, which today comprises 25%, that's one in every four Christians is a Pentecostal or charismatic. Why is it that this dynamic, incredibly explosive movement, how could it have started in a church of less than 200 people? The reason is because they were scattered. People would come from around the world. They'd go to Azusa Street. They'd be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then they'd take that baptism. They'd take that calling, that movement back to their hometown, back to their home churches, and begin to multiply. And that's how the Pentecostal movement expanded in such a huge way in such a short period of time. So what does it mean to be scattered? There's three things that I want to demonstrate from these stories that we've, we've here, heard here today. Two of them I've already talked about. In previous weeks and then this one today i'm going to talk about the third one first of all being scattered means being disrupted we're all a little bit disrupted right now our daily rhythms are disrupted our our uh, places where we spend time um, our relationships in a sense are disrupted i'm missing our national convention this year i was very sad about it I was holding off, hoping that they wouldn't cancel it. It's in it's in late May, and so I thought maybe they won't cancel it. Maybe it'll be okay then, but they canceled it a few weeks ago, uh, which means my whole schedule's disrupted. Man, I was planning on doing some research. I was planning on uh, going to a college that I was really interested in and meeting a few theologians there, and I was planning on connecting with other pastors and with other leaders uh, through the Foursquare movement. 
I had my tickets booked. I had my schedule all figured out. I had an Excel chart and everything. And now my plans are disrupted. I know that sounds kind of silly in the whole scheme of things, but it's just an example of the fact that all of us in some ways have our lives are disrupted right now. We all had plans before this thing started. But like I've been encouraging us in the last few weeks, we need to start looking not at our plans, but at the plan of God. What is God doing at this time? So first, being scattered means being disrupted. Secondly, being scattered means being on mission. God has a purpose for you while you're scattered. That's what I talked about last week. We like to remain where we are, but God's mission requires us to be scattered and to go out. You have a neighbor that you don't speak with normally, and now God is giving you the opportunity to speak with them and check in with them. You have family members that maybe you've been disconnected to. Now God is giving you an opportunity to connect with them in a deeper way. Suddenly, all of a sudden, the grocer has become our best friend. You have an opportunity for ministry there. Don't neglect the ministry opportunities that God has put before you today. That's what I spoke about last week, that God has purposes for this time of disruption, for this time of scattering. Now I want to talk about the third thing. There's one more thing about being scattered, and that is being scattered means coming back together again. Being scattered means being gathered together again. I want to read a passage out of Jeremiah. This is Jeremiah 31, just a couple chapters after the verse that I read last week. Jeremiah 31, verses 10 through 12. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations. Proclaim it in distant coastlands. He who scattered Israel will gather them and will watch over his flock like a shepherd. For the Lord will ransom Jacob and redeem them from the hand of those stronger than they. They will come and shout for joy on the heights of Zion. They will rejoice in the bounty of the Lord, the grain, the new wine, the oil, the young of the flocks and herds. They will be like a well-watered garden and they will sorrow no more. They will be like a well-watered garden and they will sorrow no more. I wonder what the word home means to you. I hope that you have a place in your memory, a place in your heart that takes the definition of home. For me, it's the house that I grew up in. Uh, I grew up in Richmond Beach, which is a suburb of Shoreline, Washington, which is a suburb of Seattle, basically, uh, just north of Seattle, Washington. And the house that I grew up in, I loved that house. Uh, my brother and I would climb that huge cedar trees in the backyard. We would climb and, and we would uh, get onto the roof, which my mom hated. I'm sorry, mom, probably gave you a heart attack several times. Um, but I love that house. I used to walk around the house with my eyes closed because I memorized uh, how to get from room to room with my eyes closed. I knew exactly how many steps in whatever direction I could go in. Just a few years ago, when we were in Seattle uh, visiting some family, I went back to that house and we, we don't own it anymore. My, uh, my parents, my mom sold it. I went back there and it was very painful uh, to see it. And I'm, I, I don't think I could ever go back there again. In fact, I told myself, I promised myself I would never go back. The trees were all cut down. Uh, you know, the garden had been leveled and, and replanted. The house had been renovated and added on to. This is the danger of being scattered and then being gathered back again. Because you never know exactly what you're going to come back to. Uh, for the Israelites in exile, they left their homes and 
for 70 years, they were gone. And 70 years later, they were able to come back, or at least some of them were able to come back. But a lot of people, it says in scripture at the end of the exile, they decided to stay in Babylon. And, you know, I think we could we could look at that and say, oh, that was very foolish of them to stay in Babylon when they could have gone back to Israel after the exile. But in a sense, I understand I understand that feeling. It's the same feeling that I got when I saw my old house and, and decided I, I don't ever want to go back there again. Because the memory that I have of home is going to be different than the home that I go back to. And we're making a mistake, I think, if we believe that things are going to return exactly to how they were prior to when this thing started. I, I think that God has given us an opportunity and he's shaken us up. He's scattered us for a purpose. He's removed us from our established ways because there's a whole harvest of people. There's a whole harvest of souls who would never step foot into the church that we had even three months ago, but for whom uh, a virtual presence, for whom an online presence, for whom the personal relationships that we've been building is more meaningful than any church building. And I think that if we were allowed to continue to do church the way that we would like to do church, then God knows we would miss that harvest. We would have, we would never change willingly in order to bring in the people for whom our church would never reopen. We would never willingly change to do that. And so God changed us. God scattered us. God forced this change upon us. Some churches, I think, nowadays are in a holding pattern. And they, they want things to go back to exactly the way they were before. And so they plan, when this is all over, to completely return. Here's what I think. I don't ever want to mistake familiarity and my own comfort with ministry or with church, I don't ever want to mistake that familiarity with the work that God is doing in the kingdom of God. I don't ever want to say, I'm going to do this this way because it's familiar to me or because I'm comfortable with it. I always want to say, I'm going to go in this new direction or I'm going to stay in the direction I'm going in because this is the direction where the kingdom of God is going. So we have to think seriously. We have to spend serious time thinking about what God is doing among us, what God is doing in this moment, and how we're going to return, when we return back again, what we're bringing with us. Because when we come back, it is not going to be the same as it was before. Think about what needs to change. The old saying goes that you can't step in the same river twice, right? Because it's moving. There's another saying that says you can never go home again. Because like I found, after you leave, things change, and it's never the same as it was in your heart. I can never again visit the house of my youth and experience that same level of love. That house, that home, could only exist in my mind now. It only exists in my memory. But uh, what I do know is when I hold my kids, that same feeling of belonging, of closeness, of home, I get that same feeling, even though I'm not in the same place. 
when we're working in the yard uh, as we've been doing this this season, we're creating new spaces for our children to call home. Home is less about a location and a practice, and it's more about the presence of people. Jeremiah 31 says, Israel will be like a well-watered garden and they will sorrow no more. The promise of God is that when he gathers us back again, it won't be exactly like it was before, but he will still be with us and he'll be the same God as he was before. The promise is that it will be home and we won't sorrow anymore. I think about that song that I sang with my father-in-law on the piano where he he played it out and we sang, um, I'm going to lay down my burdens down by the riverside, down by the riverside, down by the riverside. I'm going to lay down my burdens down by the riverside and study war no more. My prayer for you today, my prayer for you today is that you begin to recognize home in this season of life. That you begin to recognize the presence of people and also of the Lord. Zechariah 2, 10 through 13 says this, Shout and be glad, daughter of Zion, for I am coming and I will live among you, declares the Lord. Many nations will be joined with the Lord in that day and will become my people. I will live among you, and you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. The Lord will inherit Judah as his portion in the Holy Land, and will again choose Jerusalem. Be still before the Lord, all humanity, because he has roused himself from his holy dwelling. The Lord has scattered us during this time, but the Lord will gather us back again. I believe that this is a period of separation because God is preparing hearts. He's preparing humanity to rediscover what it means to be home in his presence. It says here in Zechariah, many nations will be joined to the Lord in that day and will become my people. The hope which resides in our hearts, the hope that resides in your hearts is being put on display right now for your neighbors and for the world. When God gathers us back together again, when the Lord gathers us together again, his intention is not just that we will join back, but that others, others who are a part of the nations, others who are a part of the world will come back again and be in the presence of God. It's the hope that we have. God is preparing a harvest and recognize, recognize that the Lord will always call people to him. The call of Jesus is irresistible. Jesus never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the importance of Jesus, the draw of Jesus, the thing that makes people reconsider Jesus, the thing that makes people look twice at Jesus, the thing that draws people to Jesus will always, always remain the same. The question is, will the church change so that we can proclaim that same Jesus to new people? Will we change so that the message of the gospel can go out to people who would never step foot in our church? We no longer live in a time when people gather to church as a part of their basic life. We no longer live at a time when our whole society is built around church life. 
that no longer applies. So the question is, will we be able to take the gospel and bring it to people who would no otherwise come into our church? Part of what God is doing during this season is teaching us how to do that, teaching us about the importance of relationship, teaching us about the importance of being face-to-face with people, teaching us about how ministry can happen in a street and over the phone and over a computer screen and with people that we may never have actually met in person. Ministry can happen in those ways. He's teaching us right now. We would never have learned it on our own. If we left to our own devices, we never would have tried all of this. I I would have never tried preaching from my house or talking to cameras like this. It never would have even crossed my mind. I would have hated it. But now we're forced to do it. Now God has given us an eye. He has scattered us so that we are forced to do it. So when we gather back again, we can bring all the things that we're learning. We can bring these tools back and we can say, how can we change the church so that it can meet the needs of the people around us? The gospel never changes, but the church is always in a state of change. The church is always in a state of change. That's my hope. That's my desire. When God gathers us back again, begin thinking today, who is the person you're going to invite to a home group? Who's the person that you want to have over at your house? Would you be willing to have four or five people show up in your living room once we're allowed to open up a bit more? Who's the person, who's the neighbor that you want to give a call to first? Who's the person that you can build a relationship with now? They may never step foot into a church, but you know what? Churches don't save people. Jesus saves people. And they can find Jesus in your living room. They can find Jesus over the internet. They can find Jesus on a phone call. That's what I'm interested in. That's what God is interested in. There's people that we're going to reach that we haven't been able to reach before. So begin thinking today, who's the person I need to reach out to? Who's the person I'm going to invite to my home group? Begin to pray for them. And now we're going to do an act of gathering. I'm going to have my kids help me. We're going to take communion together. Communion is also an act of gathering. it's It's a moment when we gather together over the body of Christ. It's called communion because we come together over the body of Christ. And uh, I've gotten some some communion elements here. I have some uh, little, we're going to start, we might start using these on a Sunday morning. They're really cool. They got the cracker in the middle. Can you guys see the cracker right there? They got a cracker underneath some cellophane and then they have the juice there too. So it's like all 100% all in one. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and read our passage for communion. I hope that you grab your communion. Oh, Abigail's baby is sleeping. So we have to be a little bit quiet. Okay. Is that all right? Okay. We have to be a little bit quiet. Abigail's baby is sleeping. So grab the elements of communion that you have. If you have some, um, we have some here, I'm going to read a passage and then I've invited James to help pray, uh, for the communion for us. Um, But would you take this with somebody that you are with? Take this together with somebody. So I'm going to go ahead and read. This is out of 1 Corinthians. Paul writes, I received from the Lord that which I also passed to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. And when he gave thanks, he broke it, saying, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So 
I'm going to invite James over. He's going to pray for us. We have our little things. So I'm going to have him pray for this and distribute it. But would you pray? Would you pray with us? James, come on over, buddy. Come on. You want to do it? You want to pray from over there? Okay, that's fine. James is going to pray from right there. All right. Go ahead, James. You pray for us. Amen. Amen. Thank you, James. Okay, James, can you help me give these to everybody? Everybody gets one, okay? Can you help me pass them out? Grumpy needs one. Molly needs one. And you need one, too. Okay. Would you take your bread or your cracker and take this with me in remembrance of him? Do you need some help opening it? Here, you got to open half of it. There you go. It's a little slippery. It's falling out of hands. You did it. Good job. Okay, go ahead and Go ahead and uh, open the cup and let's drink together as well. Lord, we thank you for your presence. Lord, your spirit unites us through time and space. There is no barrier to your spirit. And so today, Lord, we join with each other in this church. We join with every believer in the world. Lord, we join with those who have gone before us. Family members, friends, saints whom we've never met, but who inspire us. Lord, we come before you in their presence. And we ask that you would unite us by your spirit until we can meet again. Protect us, Lord. Please especially be with those who are sick and with those who work in the healthcare industry. Be with our government, Lord, as, as they are responding to this crisis. And be with us, Lord, and keep our hearts centered on you and our eyes turned towards you, Father. In your precious name, Jesus. Amen. One more thing I want to say before we leave, and that is this Thursday is National Day of Prayer. Uh, and we're going to be having a National Day of Prayer event. It's going to be a prayer rally, and everybody's invited to it. This is what we're going to do. First of all, on noon at noon on Thursday, um, Debbie is going to take a caravan of cars and drive from City Hall down to Safeway, down to Safeway, and back again, um, praying for the city and praying for uh, for the government and that kind of thing. If you're interested in being a part of that you need to contact Debbie Warden. Uh, so that's going to be during the, at noon. Now that evening at six o'clock, we're encouraging people to go somewhere in the city and pray for a half hour, uh, pray for our nation, pray for businesses, pray for churches, pray for schools, um, spend some time in prayer. And after you're done at 6.30, make your way to St. Augustine Catholic Church. It's right on 101. 
Uh, when you come in, find a parking spot. We're going to have cones set up because you'll have to park uh, with an empty spot next to you, between the car next to you. But you can park your car, um, and we're going to have a prayer service there for a half hour. The law is you cannot get out of your car. If you get out of your car, it becomes a social gathering, and that is still currently banned. And we want to be in compliance with the government. We want to be, we don't want us to cause any trouble or bring down the name of Jesus. So we're going to be in full compliance with the government on this. Come park, park in a spot that's not next to somebody else at 630. Um, be there and from 645 to 715. I'll be in the parking lot with a megaphone. I'm allowed to be out of the car, but as long as there's only one person, that's okay. But if there's two people out of cars, they consider it a social gathering. So please stay in your car. I'll have a megaphone. You can roll down your window. I'll be praying. We'll be lifting up this world, lifting up our government, lifting up the crisis that we're in, and also just lifting up our community and our city. We're going to advertise in the news guard. Debbie's advertising this on the radio on Tuesday. Uh, tell your friends about it. If you have Christian friends, tell them about it. I made an event on our Facebook page. You can share it on your Facebook page so that people that you know can see it. Um, put it in groups, put it in all sorts of stuff. But we want to just come together and pray uh, and be with each other. Even though we can't be physically with each other, we can be near each other. And again, be on the lookout for home groups. Hopefully, beginning of or middle of May, end of May, we'll get those up and running. Uh, and we can spend some time in small groups together. I love you guys. I really do miss you so much. I, I miss doing church together, but I'm happy that we get to do this at least. So God be with you. Abigail, you want to say goodbye? Bye. You want to you want to say God bless you? No, but we did get a goodbye, so that's pretty good. God bless you guys. Uh, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for spending some time with us.